evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Wednesday Night Wallop, Season 5, Episode 2. It's Ryland Turner and Kyle Joseph. Kyle, how are you? Doing well. Got... It was, it was a good show, wrestling, let me tell you. It was. It was. It was... Um, it, it, the, the, all the energy that we needed from this week's Dynamite, we got after a tumultuous weekend with news uh, and... Just so much stress. So much stress. Dynamite was the perfect stress reliever tonight. It was. Um, and I guess, I mean, no time with the present. Let's get right into it with a segment we like to call the Wednesday Night Roundup. It's a Wednesday Night Roundup. So, lighter news. We'll start with that. Yeah. Carl Fredericks signed with the WWE. Yeah, this is uh, this is I think a big get for them. This is a guy who impressed uh, in the New Japan LA Dojo. He, he trained under uh, what is his name? Uh, he recently Shibata. came back to Shibata. Yes, he trained under Shibata, who is I, I assume only can only assume is a brutal and um, excellent trainer. Uh, so I feel like, you know, it's it's an excellent guys like him and Dragon Lee are good gets by the WWE because you, you you're using this this NXT division now to build new stars. And in order to get that, we can't just we can't just have nil athletes. We, we, we need some people with some experience under their belt. And from what it seems like, Triple H is kind of open to the idea of getting guys off the the indie scene or or, you know, international, you know, success in some way, shape or form. So it's I think it's a good get for them. He was part of the New Japan Pro Wrestling LA Dojo. He it was him, Clark Connors and Alex Coughlin. The three of them have since graduated and are moving on to bigger and better things. And Carl Fredericks appears to be headed towards NXT, which I mean, uh, I wish him luck. I think I think he's a, a very interesting guy. Yeah. Yep. And now we gotta get to the other stuff. Okay. So there's gonna be a lot of we're talking about the WWE corporate nonsense. And let's get the confirmed stories away first, and then yep. we'll touch on rumors, but more it's mm, this is complicated stuff. All right. So we'll start with the the stuff that we've confirmed. First of all, Vince McMahon has been elected unanimously as the executive chair of the board of directors for WWE on the corporate set. This has currently not changed the roles of anybody in the company itself, but Vince is back in charge on the corporate level. Not really surprising given the news that we've heard already, but... I don't know if you have thoughts beyond what we've already talked about with regards to Vince and his corporate meddling. It, meddling it just, is not the right word, but yeah, you know what I mean. It, the the ego of this guy to think that he is necessary to make these media deals the most profitable for shareholders that could possibly be. When you've got this giant like Nick Khan who sold the WWE Network to Peacock or to NBC and they profited huge off that. Yeah, this is a guy who, you know, stands to make a lot of money in 2023 um, with these media rights uh, negotiations and what have you. And of course, you know, the the, you know, impending or or rumored sale of the company. 
So like this guy is is the perfect guy. To, why why do we need Vince? And and the, like let's talk. Let's be honest. The, the board of directors didn't want him back. He changed the language in the in, you know. Um, w- I, I don't know if it's their the board rules or whatever to allow himself to snake back in. Uh, and, 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 and I mean, this leads into the next bit of the story, and that's Stephanie. Yeah, we got to talk about we got to talk about that, too. Stephanie McMahon um, announced her resignation from the board of directors. And man, I didn't think that we were going to find a way to turn Stephanie McMahon face. But, boy, they they pulled it off, let me tell you. <laughs> they did. Um, apparently, I mean, here's what I'll say about Stephanie McMahon. I've had, you know, there's decidedly mixed feelings about her as a personality. I think she has, in the last few years, I think she has done a better job. Uh, or they've, or rather, she's found a role that works. For her showing up sort of when they need some sort of corporate involvement, particularly with the men's vision. But the big thing, I think, with this is that she's really beloved in that locker room. Yes. And in the company as, as a whole. People seem to really respond well to Stephanie McMahon. She, uh, he, by all accounts, seems to be a very good um, person to have as a boss. So for their sake, I'm this is disappointing. Say the least. Yeah, I mean, like, this is a a woman that's been with this company for over 20 years, like, and she started by answering phones and she worked her way herself up to being the CEO at one point uh, throughout the summer, a co-CEO anyway. Yeah. Um, And it's, you know, it's really it's it's an inspiring story in in certain regards, because while, you know, like, I, I agree with you, I do have mixed feelings about her. Um. It, it, it's. I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that we also grew up watching this woman be one of the most hated heels on television. So that, that generally will. I mean, don't get me wrong. Like, she's she's not perfect in a, a, you know every way, shape, or form. But again, she was. I think the perfect fit for what the new direction was once Vince left in the summertime. Agreed. And I think that like the ship was going in a good direction. Whatever power structure they put together, it was working. And I think this is just, I think all of this serves to do is just give people some unease, which is especially the people in the locker room. And I, yeah, I feel for them. This is a, it's such an awkward situation. It's such a hard time. And yeah, it's led into, so then there's the next piece. Which is, we found out, and again, this is very early stages, so the details are very hazy at this point. But apparently there are at least a collection of shareholders who are uh, coming after Vince McMahon legally, challenging his takeover of the company. Which, is their right? I don't know how it's going to go. I There's going to be a lot of stuff that they're going to try to get out in the open, but yeah. Um, my goodness. Yeah. So uh, on top of all of this, you know, we we have the, the, you know, Vince is coming back to, you know, allegedly 
you know, make make it so the best media or the best uh, dollar value for the shareholders is going to come out of these media rights deals, which again, ridiculous. Um, but also to potentially facilitate a sale. Now they have hired J.P. Morgan to start these this process, um, and of course, like I said, we've got Nick Khan in this. In this, he, he's the he he really is the the definition of making the perfect deal. Um, at least in, in, in when it comes to certain, you know, business decisions. Um, now we got it now. And this this all led into last night where, you know, the rumor, the, there were rumors swirling around that the WWE had been sold. Um, obviously, these rumors have been refuted this morning. Mm-hmm. You know, thank God for Ariel, Ariel Helwani. Because... Um, it's a stressful night for me, Kyle. It's a stressful night. So we'll we'll address it very quickly. Cause so here's the situation that we find ourselves in. If WWE is getting sold, there's really only a, a small number of companies that you would think would have interest in owning WWE. It's first of all, it's gonna cost a lot of money. Market cap, as we sort of talked about, or as I talked about for WWE is I'll double check that because the sale price has been fluctuating, but it is somewhere in the the realm of uh, yeah, it's over six million dollars. So that is to say, that is the uh, I'm going to use the the professional term guesstimated value of the company. You would expect, especially with a sale in this situation, to be higher than that because they have to convince the shareholders to sell. So I would expect a purchase sale price of WWE to probably be somewhere in the nine to ten billion dollar range. That's a lot of money. Yep. Yep. Certainly. And so that really leads you to believe that it would, and because of the benefit, um, because of the potential benefit or because of the the benefit to having content, you would think that a media company would be the most likely purchaser. And for this, when we talk about the sale odds that have come out and since been taken down because of the rumors that we heard, we'll we'll get it out of the way. The rumor was that Saudi Arabia, uh, their their wealth fund was purchasing it. Which, if it is going to happen, it's not close to confirmed yet. And... It was surprisingly quick for that to be enough, for that to be true, for that to be like you know, the case. That's not to say that a deal hasn't been reached, but it would be for them to say like a sale was imminent. Is it would be, that'd be fast? There's a lot of stuff they have to do, especially because it's a publicly traded company. The purchaser has to buy out all of those shares, especially because the rumor was again that they would be taking it private. And I do expect whoever buys this is going to take. WWE private, or if they're already a publicly traded company, they're going to, you know, fold them into the, within their own fold. Right. The rumors right now, or the, not the rumors, but the companies that, um, I'm trying to remember which betting site it was that even did it. Uh, I will double check this to make sure that I have this right. Um, Bavada, which is a, <laughs> which is one of those places where you can, you can bet on a lot of stuff. Um, yeah, there's a lot of, there's a lot of these sports books and stuff like that, but Bavada is, is definitely one of them. Um, gambling has really taken over in a big way. Um, uh, 
not something we can access in Canada, so I'm not able to do too much research on this, but from what I've been able to gather, Comcast, Disney, Endeavor, Amazon, Netflix, Fox, Liberty Media, Warner Brothers, Redbird Capital, the Saudi Wealth Fund, and of course, Tony Khan, because of lols. <laughs> but to be clear, Shad Khan's own personal wealth is somewhere in the $10 billion range. I can't imagine that he would be trying to put up just a whole bunch of money towards that. Not when you've already got something going on. Yeah. Like, like why, why buy the competition? No, it doesn't make sense. I, I mean, and, and let's be clear, like, when Vince bought the competition, it was for about, I think it was under $5 million. And right. even in 2000, we're talking about night and day in terms of purchasing price. WWE is not in the position that WCW was in 2000. A lot of those media companies make sense. Comcast, Disney, they make they make sense. Endeavor is kind of an awkward one, but like definitely like you could see it. Right. Redbird seems like that's wild. I that's a lot. Again, it's the same thing as the the Khan family. There's just way too much money involved for you to expect to be able to do that. But Vince. The biggest question is going to be, Vince is in a bit of a pickle in this, because he has a responsibility to the shareholders to get the best money for, um, for to get the best money for the, the company, right? Right. But he also seems to want to be in charge. And those things... The interesting question is whether or not those things are going to be in odds. I think certainly for some of these these um, media outlets on this list, mm. uh, that that can't be. Like I, I can't see a Disney purchasing WWE and and letting Vince run the show. No, I would be very. It, it would require a lot of explanation from the from the people who are involved in that. I could see them buying it. Saved by the mouse. Saved by the mouse. Again, Comcast. It makes all all the sense in the world. Even Amazon. Netflix. Like, makes a lot of sense. That's a big tape library, too. Right. Let's not forget all of the content that you're getting for places that are, you know, content factories. That makes a ton of sense. But it's a lot of money. Yeah. That's just it. Is who's going to fish over this money and... I mean, do do the Saudis have enough money to, to, to just, you know, pretty much make everyone else obsolete? And would Vince sell there? Would Vince sell there? And that, because it becomes such an interesting question. Um, and that was the thing, is that because people heard, people heard about that as a potential option. And there was, you know, legit panic setting in amongst fans I think there'd be a lot of fans that ultimately would you know I mean I don't know what the viewership is for Crown Jewel or like those other shows I know I have never I can't say I've never I did try to watch one of them and I heard John Cena talking about how great Saudi Arabia was and that was about it for me um the first one wasn't even a good match either um that's not here nor there but like that's a huge like thing to ask of wrestling fans is to swallow the Saudis being involved 
in this. But again, I don't want to get too deep into this until there is an actual sale. But like, again, it's just, I mean, it's partly sad as to how there's only but so many companies that would be willing to do this. But here's the thing about this that really bugs me. Like, this is something Vince should be passing to his children. And I say children plural, because the, the Shane Erasure cannot stand either. Yeah. But, like, the idea of him selling, and if the thing is he's selling to try to get one more bite at that, you know, that creative apple, that's really sad to, you know, put your own ego ahead of, at, like, ahead of, you know giving this company a legacy beyond yourself. That's what really made me sad about this whole thing. Is because with Steph gone and uh, and Shane's gone, it's just him now, you know? Right. And, and even H- with Hunter, yeah, I was yeah. going to say, even with Hunter there, like, I, he's on the board. And, and again, the board did not want fans back. So it, there's, I mean, I'm not going to speculate on tension, but could you imagine it any other way? Like, and that's the thing is it just like, there's no need to sell the company. That's like, that's the big thing is there's no need to sell it. There's no need to do all of this. He kind of just kept going on, kept about his life now. Being like, He's also, like, deeply in his 70s. Yes, yes, 77. Even if he wasn't a horrible human being, it's about time that you just retire. And it's... Like, I don't feel bad for Vince McMahon, because, like, Lord help me. But it is depressing for you to have nothing else going on in your life. That you're going to these extremes to try to hang on to that last grasp of power because you just can't let go of the idea of somebody else holding on to your baby and yeah. you have actual children who are deeply involved in investment invested in this business like everything that I've seen with, with Stephanie McMahon's involvement in this company seems to show that she really loves this company and she loves being involved in that that culture, and she loves using, you know, as a means to promote some cool stuff. And the talent seems to really like her, and people who get to talk to her seem to really enjoy her. She's a perfect person to be, you know, the next step for this company. But you're selling it off to some media company for a cash grab. Who? Who knows what they're going to do with it? That's the scary part, right? Because we talked, like, last night, the reason it was so stressful is, you know, with the thought process that the, the you know, the Saudi investment fund or whatever was purchasing this, what about, all uh, you know, members of this roster who are, you know, the, the, obviously not wanting to perform uh, for, or, you know, or, or be owned by, or have their company owned by these people? Like... It, it, I imagine right now the locker room is nothing but, you know, fear. As somebody who's personally been through a purchase cycle and has had, you know, feelings about, mixed feelings about who's writing my checks, it's tough. 
it's tough to be in that situation. And I feel, you know, I always feel for the talent. That's because at the end of the day, they're the ones who are, you know, out there busting their butts to try to entertain us for hours and hours every week. It's a lot of lot of shows, a lot of lot of wrestling, a lot of miles they gotta travel across, you know, across, you know, the country when it's still wildly hard to travel. And they're doing it. And they're, you know, doing what they can to, to be able to live out, you know, for a lot of them what is a dream, but it's like it's still tough. Yep. And they're the ones who I always feel for in these situations. And if we're like, if we're in a spot where, if, like, I hope, you know, for the people who believed in Vince, and there are a number of talent people who still, like, to this day, at least in their own personal relationships, will speak highly of Vince. For him to do this type of stuff to them and jeopardize their futures in that way, it's unbecoming. And I like, you know, I'm not a person who can even be disappointed in Vince McMahon at this point. But again, this company is your legacy. It's, but it's time for you to let it go. And not like this. This whole thing just feels gross to me. That's where I'm at. Yeah, I, I agree with you 100%. It's been a rough week. <laughs> it's been a rough week, that's for sure. Um, well, that is uh, it for the news, unless there's anything else you want to talk about. Well, there is one more thing I do mm. want to talk about, and that is, Kyle, it's time for Dinner Before Dynamite. Mm. Kyle, what'd you eat? I had Pizza Hut. It was good. Man, gotta love pizza. Gotta love Pizza Hut. I, I, I like Pizza Hut. I just like... I need to go to the store and stop being lazy. And I need to like make dinner with like a salad. You know? Yeah. I'm, oh yeah. I'm at I, that I place. Yeah. It's got to be some sort of fruity vinaigrette. You can't... I can't be having no Caesar anymore. <laughs> but uh, no, I had a uh, I had a grilled chicken sandwich on an onion bun. I made it at work and uh, brought it home and... It was it was delicious. Uh, garlic aioli, bacon. It was great. Oh man. Um, <laughs> sorry, I'm reading a tweet. It's very funny. We'll get to that. But yeah, that sounds that sounds really <laughs> good. Uh, that sounds like a good chicken sandwich, man. It, it was it was dope. It was dope. Um, with all that being said, Kyle, what what time is it, sir? It's time for the Wednesday Night Rundown. stuff to get to because there was just a like this is a very wrestle heavy show hangman page defeated john moxley in the opening matchup adam cole kind of promo we were backstage with the acclaimed when they talked about getting onto the hollywood walk of fame that's a rampage problem jungle hook defeated big bill and lee moriarty went backstage again with renee who were there with the best friends and uneasy friendship for the best friends and uh golden globe winner paul walter hauser because the danielson takashita match was about to start but mjf instead decided to cut a promo um uh, brian danielson then defeated takashita in that match 
We were backstage with Juice Robinson as he challenged Darby Allen. Jamie Hayter and Britt Baker defeated Soraya and Tony Storm. Jericho Appreciation Society cut a promo segment that also brought out Ricky Starks and Action Andretti. And in the main event, Game 7, the Elite defeated Death Triangle to become the new trio's champions. This podcast is brought to you by Spear King, literally. Our producer, RJ, has decided to branch out and brand himself, and we couldn't be more excited to hear that. If you've been with Wednesday Night Wallop from the beginning, you will hear that the production has since improved tenfold, and that's all thanks to Spear King. RJ has worked tediously to hone his production skills, from the opening song to the tidbits of music sprinkled throughout, and the editing of the podcast in its entirety. Spear King puts a royal effort into your product. I know for a fact that we wouldn't have the professional sound that we do without his efforts. So please go support our producer in all of his future endeavors, and don't be afraid to reach out about something you're interested in RJ getting his hands on. That's Spear King Co. on Facebook, at spear.king.co on Instagram and at spearkingmusic on TikTok. Spearking. Music, media, and production. Rylan, do you have any honorable mentions from this show? Uh, yeah. Uh, Big Bill and Moriarty against Jungle Hook I thought was a really, really good match, but this was a show of great matches. So it, it didn't quite make my top five. Um... But I, I do want to, you know, give it, uh, give props to it. And a couple of negatives, actually. Uh, I thought the MJF segment with Takeshita was just silly. And, like, uh, MJF's above that sort of, like, ridiculous late 90s, early 2000s uh, shtick. And I, I just, I, I don't know, I didn't dig it at all. Uh, I, I mean, I, don't get me wrong, I thought Takeshita was great. Um, but you know, once, once MJF, uh, did, you know, did that and, and he, he started cutting his promo, we, we have to catch to leaving the ring and standing outside for what, 10 minutes before Daniel, or before Brian Danielson gets there and chases away MJF. And don't get me wrong. I, I thought, you know, and, and I'll say tons about it in later with the, Danielson and Takeshita. I thought that was a great match, but I just, I didn't like this segment with MJF. And uh, same to be same can be said for the Jericho segment. I wasn't huge on it. I thought that Ricky, while Ricky Starks is great, I just again it just it felt like something I saw twenty years ago. And I just uh, I hope that there's more to this and uh, that Ricky Starks can. I mean, he, I think he's been tremendous for the last few weeks. So I I hope that he isn't weighed down by um, someone who I think. Certainly has a lot of potential in action and ready, but I don't don't I don't know if he's ready to be you know Ricky Starks's muscle. Um, Daniel Garcia called action and ready young man. I want to point out that Daniel Garcia is twenty four, whereas action and ready is twenty five. Um, that's Trevor Dave <laughs> on Twitter. Who noted that? I had Ricky Starks's portion of that promo as an honorable mention. I thought he did good. I, th- I thought that was entertaining from his part, at least, but some of the other stuff was a little bit wonky. And Jake Hager saying that he was going to slap the face off of Ricky Starks' face is the type of 
unintentional comedy that I don't think that they're quite going for. That's that's uh, that's Sid Vicious saying he has a small brain in WCW. Oh, half the brain that you do. Yes, half oh, the brain that you do. Sid Vicious. That's <laughs> there's no coming back from that one, man. No, the the, the look on Kevin Nash's face, just like well, he, there we go. Yeah. Um, the other uh, thing I had, I also had Jungle Hook and, and Big Bill versus uh, and uh, versus uh, Big Bill and Lee Moriarty. Um. Hook suplex Big Bill. Yeah. And it looked good. Uh, belly to belly, overhead, tossed him. That's that's darn impressive. Um, but I guess it's time to get into the show. Our lists were very similar this week. The only thing is our number fives were each other's number twos. So we're going to get to those things when we get to our number twos. Rylan, um, let's start with both of our number fours, this women's tag match. Yeah, I, I thought it was great. Soraya looks great. Um, she really did. For she, her she, second she, match, yeah. she looked very impressive. I thought that Jamie Hayter is proving more and more that she can work with anyone. Tony Storm always looks good too. I just thought all four of these women look uh, looked great together. I uh, the ending was fine. Yeah, like the the, the, I feel she, the, same the inclusion. Way. But with how she reacted both in that segment last week and Twitter. I, I like the fact that she was like surprised. Oh, like I'm just like ah, you know what? Maybe yeah. we're building to a heel turn, but like it was. A I little think bit, there still are. Know. It's just it seems like yeah, it's a little, it's a little like yeah. I, I we're getting some, we're going somewhere, but I feel like yeah, I'm kind of like if you're already there, you can just get there. You know, uh, I would. The only thing I, I, the only thing I will say that disappointed me was no no debut of uh, Mercedes Monet, but there's time. There's yeah. Time. If if that's happening, then sure. But this match didn't need it. This was this is a very very good match between all four competitors. This women's division is is I mean it's always there's always been talent, but it's with the five of them, including Sheeta, involved in it. This is going to be very very good going forward for the immediate future. And man, with some of the stuff that Jade Cargill was pulling off on the weekend, again, there's a lot of talent in this women's roster. Yes, just like the nine fifteen thing again, man. Yeah, that's that seems to be where he, he slots the most of the time, and I don't know. Like I, I think that certainly there were moments where that felt like a, a detriment to the division, but I, I feel like they overcame it tonight. I agree. I thought that all competitors did an excellent job, and this is a really good match. And yeah, I mean, on a show of really good matches, it's hard to. Stand out. I don't think again. Jungle Hook versus Big Bill and Lee Moriarty was a darn good match to leave off the top five. But um, yeah, this was. I was very happy to see everybody get involved. Everybody involved. And you know what? Honestly, I was happy to see. I know, I know like it's only Soraya's second match, and you know now she's one and one. But I was good to see Jamie Hayter pick up the victory, even if it was shenanigans. But that's they're the heels, so that's fine. That's right. Although I will say this, she continues to get huge reactions from that crowd. They she love does. her. They, yep. And they should. She's great. Um, our number threes are also the same. Opening match: Hangman Page versus John Moxley. This is just hard hitting, good match. This is the battle of the lariat. 
Yeah. And just I've, there's more clotheslines in this match than than in any ever other match ever. And like these two, these two hit each other really, really hard. And I do hope that John Moxley is in fact okay. Uh, it did seem that he was he was shaken up at the end of the match, and they were they had Doc Sampson out there and were were checking him out. I'm hoping that he's all right, but man, this was is one of those it, like. They met. They noted like talking about strong style, and I know that's you know usually reserved for the New Japan stuff. But yeah, this was this is a hard hitting match. I, I'm thinking the Moxley thing is just a retort to uh, Hangman getting hurt. It's this possible time, Hangman hurt him. It's possible, but like uh, I mean, certainly I, that's that's just uh, purely speculation. Uh, what were your thoughts on the Moxley Page match? I thought it was very good. I thought it was very hard hitting. I thought everybody, or I thought both wrestlers did a really good job getting in their offense. We had a pile driver with a dead eye. Um, Paige kicked out of the Death Rider. He kicked out at one at one point. Which oh, what was he? What did he take before he kicked out at one? Um, I can't remember what the move was, but yeah, it was. It's just a very very impressive showing. Um, Moxley looked very, very good, obviously, and Paige looked really strong for his return match, and it was good to see. I think the right guy won, too. Like, I obviously like John Moxley, and I do think they should keep him strong, but Hangman Page is one of those guys you just, man, you just always want him near the top of that card, don't you? Yep, I, I agree with you 100%. So, that was that match. Now we get to talk about our number twos, which were each other's number fives. Um, Rylan, why don't you go first? Danielson and Takeshita. This is a great match. Had this, this, these two were made to wrestle each other. Like this was fantastic. I think Takeshita is easily one of my like early contenders for you know. I don't know. I don't even know if I call most improved, but like just an upstart that I am looking or I'm very much so interested in watching almost everything he does. I feel like every match with this guy is a dream match. Yeah. He's, he's still very young. He's 27. Great size, great quickness, good technical ability. Hits really hard. All of his moves look impressive. He had a blue thunderbomb that was really, really good. Yes. The, the, the clothesline off the top rope, Mm. like, that's just insanity, but it works. And, like, yeah, to, to to have a match against Danielson, to hang with him as much as he did, like, you know, that's darn impressive. And this this guy's got a huge feature. Uh, there are rumors, as it goes, that AEW is very high on him and have big plans for him. And I hope that's the case. Because this is a guy who I would love to see, you know, in the mix for, for titles, too. This show, you know, has... Um, a pretty strong Japanese presence, but you know, only but so much of that have has led them to you know actually holding belts. I I'm trying to recall. I think the only Japanese wrestler who has won a championship was Riho. Am I wrong? But yeah, it's great to see Takeshita have that kind of uh, showing. Uh, on this match with Danielson, I thought it was really good, and I hope uh, he gets a, a proper feud going forward. I would like to see him wrestle a lot more. One thing about him is, if if Regal would have never left, he would have been a perfect fit for the Combat Club. You're not wrong. 
I do wonder if a manager would be something that I don't know if he needs it though. I just mean it would be it would have been a good addition to the group. Oh, I agree. Like wrestling wise, anyway. Totally agree. Um, so that was your number two. My number two was a very good promo from Adam Cole. Yes, uh, a, a name that we weren't. He wasn't advertised for the show. Nope. They brought him out as a surprise, and man, the the the, the twists and turns this this promo went into because I, I think there's one thing I took out of this. If, if there was one thing I took out of this is Adam, or two things rather, Adam Cole is back, and Adam Cole is still a heel. <laughs> I'm not sure though, because like this he, is very... don't get me wrong. He 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 was the, the crowd. He thanked them. He appreciated them. But when it comes to the locker room, I, I still feel like that that swarmy heel is still living in there a little bit. I, I do think that he. But this is like a very earnest promo. It's very genuine. Again, it's one of those things that like Adam Cole has always been a personality that. I've been very fascinated by because I knew him, Adam Cole, the wrestler before, you know, you get to know Adam Cole more as an individual um, from his streaming. And he's like, he's a very present Internet personality. And, you know, he's guy who loves wrestling, guy who loves playing games with his friends. He's like very entertaining, very funny, very charismatic. Um, He's Chugs, you know? Right. And like, it's especially, and you know, like on top of that, he's also one of the most talented wrestlers in the world. And, and it's, it, 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 I don't want to cut you off, but like, in a company that has so many talented wrestlers, for whatever reason, this moment felt refreshing to have him back. It did. And I think that's the thing is that he's one of those guys that, like, when he came in, I think some people, I think there are a lot of people who didn't necessarily dig the personality or weren't, you know, a huge fan of his, you know, siding with the elite and everything that, that was going on with that. And I know you were getting a little bit whatever about the story time with Adam Cole, though I do, I do, I, oh, I, I when laughed, he said it. I laughed when so he's... hard when he said it because like, and like, I think he knows too, but it's very entertaining that he's like, yeah, I had to get one in. Um, but it's just good to see him back. Yeah, and absolutely. I think one of the things that people sleep on, he was having some great matches. Yes. Like, the match he got hurt in was a fantastic match. Up until the point he got hurt. Right. Uh, his match against um, Hangman Page at the start of the year, I mentioned, is a match of the year candidate. Yeah. He had a couple of them with Page that were great. Like, he was really, really genuinely fantastic. And it's just good to see him back. Agreed. Uh, even his stuff with Orange Cassidy was was fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, yeah, hundred percent. Like Adam Cole is one of my favorite wrestlers. So like this was a nice moment, and I love the swerve. I love starting with the idea that he might be announcing that he's not coming back because that was the that was the rumor is either he's coming back soon or he's not coming back. And it's one of the things about that post concussion stuff, man. It's no joke. Absolutely. I mean, think about how long he's been out. Yeah, he was out for, you know, six months. And that was the thing is that there's no indication that he was close to coming back. And it had been six months. And, you you know, you start to get worried. There's a lot of people who have, you know, had the same thing. And even though he's in his 30s, like, he's still got a lot of years you'd expect left in wrestling. (sighs) Nothing's guaranteed in this business, man. 
the the way the indie scene is now, guys are going to be more and more banged up going into their 30s than they ever have been in this business. I think that there, there's an element of that, that I do think is true. The other thing inside of it is I do think that medical science has been improving. This is just sort of the one thing. And I think yeah. the biggest thing that it is sign of also, because there are a lot of guys who like, you know, you talk about Bret Hart or Mick Foley. Like, those are guys who had years at the end of their wrestling careers that they should not have had. Right. Because of of the, the trauma that they took. And that's true for a lot of people. So, like, you know, I do think I'm glad we're taking this stuff more seriously now. But, yeah, it is definitely a sign that um, it's, it's just cool to see Adam Cole back again. Absolutely. So, yeah, that was... That was my number two, and that was your number five. I think it's time to talk about the number one thing on Dynamite this week. Game seven. Game seven. Yeah. This this ladder match was tremendous. Match of the year, Canada. Uh, absolutely. Absolutely. Like, and it's the year has just barely started. Mm-hmm. So we've got we've got a I mean, lot to go geez, through. Kenny Omega's had two matches, and he has two match of the year candidates so far. Absolutely. The, like. Uh, don't get me wrong. I'm happy to see these guys move on from each other, but I this whole turn or the sorry this whole series that they had against one or, or against each other, um, it really highlighted how fantastic both these units are. And I what I do hope is that we're not this isn't going to break up Death Triangle because I feel like they they fit together. They don't need to break up. Yeah. Like we, as much as Pac is a great singles wrestler, he's been a great singles wrestler within the group. And that's the thing is, I think Pac can move on to singles stuff, and the the Lucha, Lucha Bros can move on to tag stuff. Like I'd like to see them face the acclaimed, for example. Right. But that doesn't need to end the trio. No, absolutely not. And so yeah, I I thought this was match was was tremendous. I thought that. This was a culmination of, like, they only had 15 minutes, I think, Yeah, in this that match. Was, that was one thing I, I will say. I, I feel like we could have shaved off uh, some of the some of the MJF stuff and given this match a little bit more time. But yet when I, when I looked at the, at the time heading into this match, I was like, oof, this is, this is going to be a fast, very quick match. And it was. It was in your face the entire time. But yeah, it was just nonstop. And it felt like the culmination of the best of what these two teams were. And it felt like they had each other so well scouted that we just got the best of what these teams can be in this match. I do think this was the best of the series, personally. Absolutely, yeah. I, I think I missed one, but I, I felt feel like it was what I heard was it was one of the, the you know, the ones that was there. And yeah. you, you you have to expect that even with the talent on both these both sides of uh, the ring here, that they were going to have matches in this series that were like not nearly as good as the one that came before it. Yes, but like I mean, I'm glad that they had this one. This is a really fun match. It was quick paced. It was in your face, constant action, nonstop, and it was a great example of a ladder match. And the big thing about it is timing, like. Nobody had a chance to move up that ladder more than a few rungs without somebody being there to do something. You didn't have that suspension of disbelief about uh, about the ladders. Like everyone got to where they had to be. There was some crazy athletic spots. All of the acrobatics. These guys took some horrible ladder bumps. <laughs> yes, yes. 
Everybody's back is sore today. Nick Jackson, the back of his legs, when he took that that bump onto the ladder, oh my god, I cringed oh. so hard. I mean, he did that, and then he also did a, a four fifty or yeah, four fifty onto a table through a table. Yes, this was everything, everywhere, all at once. It was a great match. As much as I would have wanted to see Lucha or uh, Death Triangle hold on to these titles, you know, it's it's cool to see the Elite back and doing this, and I think they're going to run with this division very well, and I'm fascinated to see who's next. There's a lot of ways you can go with this. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of, con- I'm concerned with the fact that the the House of Black is busy right now with Eddie Kingston, that I, mm. I would like to see them put into the next, you know, they, put into position next. Here's the thing, I'll say this. Either them or JAS. And I don't know about you, but there's a Winnipeg show coming up in March. Yeah. If you want something to, to get me excited, give me the Elite versus JAS for those titles. Because that's what I need. Also, like, if I'm personally picking uh, Jericho Garcia and, and Guevara versus the Elite. Yes. I, I agreed. Agreed. I think that that's the best unit. Although, although, Jericho and 2.0 would be phenomenal too. Oh, of course. 100%. But, like, yeah. Um, this was an amazing match, and I'm excited to see the trio stuff going forward because there's a lot of stuff you can do. And, you know what? Honestly, the more I think about it, Lucha Bros versus the Acclaim sounds a lot of fun, like a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And it's a good, that's a better direction for the Acclaim than. Than Jarrett and Lethal, which, whew, man, a breath of fresh air that, that they weren't on the show this week. Mm, 100%. Rylan, what do you give this show? Well, I mean, I did have a couple of negatives on the show, so I'm going to give it a four. Um, I'll take, I'll dock a half point for each. Um, but honestly, like, I thought this was a pretty, pretty phenomenal show. Great ladder match, great main event. Danielson Takesha was phenomenal. I really liked Moxley and Paige as well. The, the women's tag match was great. Adam Cole's return was great. So, like, it, uh, yeah, four out of five for me. This is a five show. I'm sorry. I agree. <laughs> there were some, some whatever, um, segments, but this show had a good match and four excellent ones. Sorry, I'll say this. A good match, four great ones, and a match of the year candidate. That's a five show for me. Plus Adam Cole, five. Yeah, that's that's totally fair. That's totally fair. Kyle, um, before we get out of here, should we uh, announce the uh, Wednesday Night Rewind of this month? Yeah, we'll uh, announce the Rewind, sure. Um, it's Royal Rumble season coming up. Whether or not we're going to be watching the Royal Rumble remains to be seen, WWE. But we will promise the listeners that we will watch an old Royal Rumble. And for whatever reason, despite all of this, you want to see Vince McMahon win the Rumble. So we're watching uh, Royal Rumble 99. This was Rob's choice. This was not my choice. <laughs> this was this was at request of Rob, and considering that he does all the hard work uh, looking up stuff for these shows, I figured, what the hell? Why not? Um, it just and, and and honestly, Kyle, it's pretty apropos, pretty apropos right now. Yeah, it all feels like it's coming full circle, doesn't it? Kyle, at any rate, why don't you tell the? <laughs> yeah, why don't you, sorry. Why don't you tell? 
That's okay. Why don't you tell the fine folks who listen to this podcast where they can find us on social media? Um, they can find us on Twitter at WN Wallop. They can find us on Instagram, WN Wallop. They can find us on Facebook, search Winston at Wallop. Black, yellow, my name, Rylan's name, that's us. If they want to find me on Twitter for some reason, it's curling season, so those curling tweets are going to be coming fast and furious very soon. Um, it is at KJ. that is L-E-R-E-G-N-D-A-R-Y-K-J. Rylan, tell them where they can find you on Twitter. At R-Y-A-M Sport Report. We have a we will have a sports report coming in the next uh, few weeks. I haven't figured it all out yet, but uh, there is one coming, and it's going to recap the NBA, the NFL, and what's been happening. Um, Kyle, send the people home happy. Thank you so much for listening all the way to the end of this episode. We appreciate each and every one of you, and you have been walloped. Good night. <laughs>